This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. We come now come to a portion where we will listen to God's word. So take up your Bible uh, for those who are uh, at home or here, and uh, we will read from First Peter chapter one, verses one to. 25. And I will read from that passage. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 25. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and, and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to God, the Father and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. This has come so that the, so that the proven genuineness of your faith of great, greater worth than gold, which perish even through refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you loved him. And even though you, did not, you do not see him now, you believed in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophet who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, search intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you, when they spoke of the things that are now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had where you live in ignorance. But just as he called you to be holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on the Father who judges each work impartially, lift out your time as foreigners here in reverence fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you have redeemed from the empty way of life 
handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these times for your sake. Though him, through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for one another, love one another deeply from the, have, from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all the glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fail. But the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word that was preached to you. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me? Okay, sorry, I've got to set up uh, all the slides and everything. Great, okay. Okay, let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we truly want to ask you that as we come to the new year, that you help us to get a bit of a grasp on the book of 1 Peter. We pray that as we look at it uh, in this overview session, uh, you help us to get uh, a real sense of the situation that uh, was being written to, uh, the purpose for which it was written, uh, how it speaks to us today, and why we really need to pay attention to your word here. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, does uh, anybody know who this person is? Okay, it's a very famous person. His name is uh, Ravi Zacharias. And uh, he's written many books, great evangelist, apologist. Uh, he ministered to, to me in my own life. He ministered to my family. I even had a friend of mine who went to England for six months to uh, study and work under Ravi at Oxford University. Now, Ravi uh, died recently this year. And that's actually really sad, right? But actually what is actually more sad is after he died, uh, there's been a series of uh, allegations against Ravi about very serious sexual sins and sexual misconduct over a, a, a span of many, many years. And what is even more sad is that actually many of these uh, allegations have been investigated and have been substantiated and have been confirmed. And uh, sadly, uh, more and more uh, allegations have been coming up uh, ever since the initial investigation. Now, when I read about what happened to Ravi, I felt really sad. But after reflecting a bit more about what happened to Ravi, it, it wasn't just a sadness that I felt, but also a sense of fear. Because if such a prominent and well-known Christian apologist and teacher can be in danger of sliding back into sin, then we all are in danger. Myself, yourself, the people here, the people watching on Zoom, we all have that same danger of sliding back into sin. And that's why today as we look at the book of 1 Peter, I think it's very timely and very relevant to us today. Because 1 Peter at its very heart is addressing this issue, this very, very serious issue of sliding back into sin. And if sliding back into sin is a clear and present danger for people like Ravi Zacharias, it's a very clear and present danger for people 
for whom the book of 1 Peter was written to, then it must be a very clear and present danger for us today. And we would do well to pay attention to what 1 Peter tells us. So we want to begin today by asking the question of who. Okay, who was 1 Peter written to? Well, Simpson read to us already in the passage uh, that it was written to the people, the strangers in the world. It says they're strangers who were scattered in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, this is actually a wide swath of uh, geographic region, uh, what would be known today as a modern Turkey. And so he's writing to a, a, a broad range of Christians at a certain time. But what really interests us is the situation of the audience to which 1 Peter is written to. Like, who is 1 Peter written to? And what is their situation? Okay, we know where they are, we know where they live, but what is their situation? Well, right in the very first few verses, uh, Peter the Apostle tells them that they are, first and foremost, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling by his blood. Now, obviously, here we have the three people of the Trinity, Father, Son, and, uh, and Spirit. But what I think really jumps out of us is that the very first thing he says, Peter the Apostle to his audience, is that they are made for sanctification and for obedience. He doesn't talk about, you know, Jesus dying on the cross for them and all that sort of stuff, first off. He wants to tell them first and foremost about the sanctification, the sanctifying work of the Spirit, and the obedience to Jesus Christ that they need to exhibit in their own life. And so the reason why he does this is, is because there must be this situation where there is this situation of going back and sliding back into sin. And so he wants to remind them of how now that they are in Christ, they need to be sanctified and obedient to Jesus Christ. Now, this word sanctification is a very, I guess it's not a word that we use every day, but it's a very important word. Uh, in terms of a general religious usage, it just basically means that you are dedicated to God, that you are loyal to God, that you are serving God. Uh, it can even be used in terms of temple worship, right? Like temple prostitutes who are dedicated to God, right? But here, when we read sanctification in a Christian context, sanctification of the Holy Spirit. It really means the idea of holiness, the idea of sacredness in your life, the idea of purity, leading a pure life. And that's why it's associated with the idea of obedience to Jesus Christ. So here right up, who is 1 Peter written to? It's written to people who need to be reminded of the sanctification of the Holy Spirit to live a pure life a sacred life, a life of holiness, and a life of obedience to Jesus Christ. And these are all whole-of-life words, right? To be sanctified and to be obedient means that your whole life is transformed, the whole life is lived to God. And so here we see the first thing is the audience of 1 Peter must, must remember the sanctifying work that must be working them and the obedience to Jesus Christ that they must exhibit. Okay, so who are the who? Christians who have a temptation to slide back, oh, sorry, backslide back into sin and evil desires. 
But now the question is, why? Why do the Christians of 1 Peter have this temptation to backslide or to go back into sin? I think the first reason is because uh, there is the pool, the pool of the old life bringing them back into their life of sin. So, right in chapter 1 again, as was read to us by Simpson, it says in verse 14, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Now the first thing I want you to notice here is this word, eh? Sorry, is this word obedient? Okay? Because we already said that right in verse 2, right? Sanctified and obedient. But here, it's not just that they are obedient people, but they are obedient children. And as we go through the book of 1 Peter, this idea of family is very important. We now belong to God. We are now children of God. We are now born again. And there's a contrast between now they are obedient children compared to when they used to live in ignorance, in the evil desires, it says there, in the evil desires which they used to live in. And we see that idea repeated in verse 18 and in chapter 2, where there's this contrast between what they once were, living in the empty way of life, compared to how they are now living as people who are now full of knowledge, saved in God. And so again in chapter 2 verse 10, says that once you were not a people, once you had not received mercy, but now you are a people of God. You belong to God. You're in the family of God. And now you have received mercy. So I remember when I was, uh, you know, when I came back from Australia, uh, I was uh, part of the university ministry there for many, many years. And there used to be a lot of overseas students who studied in Australia who used to come back to Singapore and they used to join different churches. And one very sad thing that I noticed was some of these Christian friends that I had in university, uh, some of these people were even Bible study leaders. They would come back to Singapore and gradually over time, maybe a couple of months or even years, they would slide back into their old life, their old life of sin. They would stop coming to church, stop coming to Bible study. They would stop being Christian. Why was that? What happened? It was because they had become Christians in Australia. But then when they came back to Singapore, they started mixing with their old friends, their old school friends or their old buddies or their old circles uh, of social networks. And these people, in a way, would pull them back, pull them back to their old way of living, their old life, their old life where they were, no, they were not Christians. And that's, I think, the, the situation that uh, the, the Christians in 1 Peter find themselves in. They are now saved, they have now known the grace of God, but they are tempted to be pulled back into the old life. And that's why Peter keeps telling them, look, you are now children, you are now family, you are now people of God. Don't go back to the way that you used to be before. But it wasn't just that the only problem is the idea of being pulled back into the old life. The bigger problem in 1 Peter is the push factor. The people in, uh, in this area and during that time were suffering, it says there, a lot of grief 
and trials and suffering. In fact, the word here for all kinds uh, is actually the word multicolored, right? Multicolored uh, types of trials and sufferings and grief. A whole variety of suffering they were facing. And this suffering wasn't because of natural disasters or hunger or war or something, but because of the push of persecution. They were being persecuted for living sanctified and obedient lives. And so again, in chapter 2 and in chapter uh, 4, we are told a bit about that situation. So in chapter 2, verse 2, 12, it says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And again, it says, But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? If you suffer, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you. You see what's happening here? It's like they are, the pagans or the people that they're living among, oops, sorry, the people that they're living among, oops, too far, sorry. The people who they're living among right, accuse them of doing wrong even though they're being good. They're living sanctified and obedient lives. Uh, they are receiving beatings right, and enduring it for doing good. And because they do not plunge into the world in the same uh, flood of dissipation, they have abuse heaped upon them. And this is the push of the multicolored, the multifaceted grief and suffering and trials that they are undergoing. And this is, again, pushing them back slowly and inexorably back into the old life of sin. So again, uh, I remember a friend of mine in Australia, he studied IT and he was working. And then one day, we were just chatting, and he told me, he said, oh, you know, uh, uh, he was starting to go to strip joints with his work colleagues. And I was like, what happened to you? You know, you are, you, you're a Bible study leader at university too. And he told me it's because when he was at work, uh, every Friday, all his workmates would all go to get drunk at the, at the, at the strip joint. And uh, in, the big, in the beginning, he wouldn't go. But then his colleagues kept giving him a hard time. You know, like, what's the problem with you? You know, don't you like us? Right? Why don't you just come down for a drink? You know, and this is very career limiting if you don't join us, you know, because you're not part of us. And so there was pressure on him week after week after week. And so over time, he relented and joined them and it become a weekly habit. And this is the situation that the Christians of 1 Peter were facing, the, the, the push of persecution. They want to do good. They want to be sanctified. They want to be obedient. But the world that they live in uh, was abusing them for it. The world that they lived in was causing them suffering and grief because of that life they were living. So this is the situation that, uh, that was being faced in, in the audience for 1 Peter, the pool of the old life and the push of suffering, grief, and trials. So what is the solution then that 1 Peter addresses? What solutions does 1 Peter instruct for them? 
The first thing is the idea of Christian privilege. Christian privilege. And we will see a lot of this as we go through the book of 1 Peter. Now, if you, if you look at this passage here, this is uh, again read to us by uh, Simpson today, the first section. You'll notice here that in the passage, there are a lot of uh, passive verbs. Okay, so passive verbs are where someone does something for you. Right? I, I shop for you, or I give you something, or I have done something for you. Uh, you know, active verses, I do something myself, I go shopping myself, or I take something myself. Passive verbs is where something is given to me, something is done for me, something is passed to me. And here we see, as we see throughout the whole book of 1 Peter, there are many, many passive verbs where God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus does things for the Christians. So let me just read this for you. You can follow as I read. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. See, full of passive verbs. God, the Father, in His mercy, He is the one who has given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, God is the one who keeps in heaven for us our inheritance. We are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation. See all these passive verbs? And this is supposed to show the Christian privilege that we have, that we do not do anything for ourselves, but God has done all these things for us. Jesus has done all these things for us. The Holy Spirit does all these things for us. And again, oops, in the next section, the word that also keeps being repeated in the book of 1 Peter are the words of mercy and the idea of grace. Right? Uh, we do not work for our own salvation, but it's rather through the mercy of God and the grace of God that we are saved. And so what uh, 1 Peter is trying to do, trying to say to us, trying to say to the audience of 1 Peter is what a privilege it is that we actually are now part of the family of God, that we now have salvation, that we now have a place in heaven kept for us, that we have now been redeemed from the old way of living. And that's so important because when you know the privilege that you have, then the temptation to go back will be less because you realize what a great treasure you have that's been given to you as a free gift and as something from God's grace and mercy which is undeserved by you. So the first thing is Christian privilege. We need to remember, as they need to remember, the privilege is to be saved by God. He has chosen you. He has elected you, not because you have deserved it, but because of His mercy and His grace. The second thing that um, uh, the passage keeps talking about, not just Christian privilege, is the idea of the Christian identity. The Christian identity. This is the main thing that 1 Peter focuses on, our Christian identity. 
And so there's this contrast between what we were before and what we are now. For you have been born again, it says, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. And again, it tells uh, the Christians of 1 Peter that they are now like living stones. They're now like Jesus Christ. Right? It says that we are, just as Jesus is the living stone, so we have become living stones. And these living stones are being built into like a temple, a spiritual temple or spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Now, all these things are very important. If you understand who you are, your identity, if you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, then you must, you must live a sanctified and obedient life. If that is your identity, then how can you not live a sanctified and obedient life? And that's why, as we look at this passage here, it tells us that there is this huge contrast between where they used to be, where we used to be living in ignorance, without the mercy of God, perishable and not a people. And now we've become God's people, a royal priesthood and a spiritual house. Now, because we are now God's people, because we are now a royal priesthood and a spiritual house, it means by very, very definition that we are different from the world. And so, again, as, uh, as uh, Simpson read to us, the first verse, we are strangers in the world, right? We're strangers in the world. We are aliens and we are strangers in the world, it says in 2.11 as well. By our very nature, being God's people, we are different from the world. Right? So if you go to the internet and you look at uh, some of the pictures, if you, do, if, you do, just click on one, you know, if you do a Google search on 1 Peter, and uh, you look at some of the advertisements from di- different churches around the world, they always emphasize these things about how the whole idea of 1 Peter is to be aliens, right? aliens and strangers. Because that's who we are. We are no longer part of the world. We are different from the world. The fact that we are now the royal priesthood, a spiritual house, God's people, means that we are aliens and strangers of the world. People will look at you, and when they look at you, they will look at you strangely like you're some sort of weird person, right? And I think it's a very, very good um, analogy because... I remember many pastors have said in the past, you know, it's like if, if you compare yourself to your non-Christian neighbor or your, you know, some, some person looks at you and compares you with your non-Christian neighbor, do they see you as different? Right, you know, if you compare yourself to your neighbor and they're non-Christians and, and you're a Christian, but you live completely like them, you think like them, you act like them, you buy the same things, you spend your money the same way, your dreams, aspirations are all the same, your actions and your values and your character are all the same as your non-Christian friends, then are you really an alien, a stranger in this world? A person who belongs to God as a spiritual house, as a royal priesthood, as the family of God, 
by very definition, must be an alien and stranger in this world because we have been taken out of this world, we are born again, and we no longer live in the ignorant, empty way of life. And so if you're not living as an alien and stranger of this world, then 1 Peter says, then in a sense, you are not really living that sanctified and obedient life. So what's the solution? We have to remember our Christian privilege, what God has done for us by grace and mercy. We have to remember our Christian identity. And Christian privilege and identity must lead to a Christian lifestyle. So there's a diagram which I hope we will be familiar with by the end of uh, our time together. And basically, oh, let me too far. In our old life, we did not have the grace of God. We were living in sin and ignorance. And now we live in the grace of God, in a sense. But being in the grace of God means that our lifestyle has changed. We now have a new lifestyle of obedience and sanctification. And the whole purpose of 1 Peter is for us to stick, stand fast, hold fast to this new identity we have. If we choose to be in the grace of God, then we must remain in the grace of God. And how do we remain in the grace of God? By being sanctified and obedient in our lives. If we move from being in the grace of God, in sanctification and obedience, and we move back into the old, right? if we move back here into the old life, then 1 Peter actually tells us that we are no longer in the grace of God. We've slid back, backslidden into the life of sin. We have now moved away from the grace of God. And so, the last uh, verse, past few verses of uh, 1 Peter actually tell us the purpose statement, the purpose statement of why Peter wrote. Verse 12 is very, very important. Oops. Sorry. Verse 12 is very, very important, okay? This is like the purpose statement. Why did he write? Peter wrote to uh, the, the Christians for 1 Peter because he wanted to encourage them and testify to them the true grace of God and they were to stand fast in it. Okay, stand fast in it. And that's the whole purpose of 1 Peter to know the full extent of the grace of God that we have received, the Christian privilege, the Christian identity, but the instruction of standing fast in it is what we need to hear. Because if you do not stand fast in the grace of God, you are tempted to move back to the old life. Then you will move away from the grace of God. And so therefore, in the first part here in verse 8 to, to 9, he talks about how the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Uh, it's not as if, you know, we are going to be possessed by Satan or devoured by Satan in that sense. But how does Satan devour us? It devours us by bringing us back to the old life. It devours us when we slide back into sin. That's how Satan devours us. And so we keep being reminded to resist Satan, to stand firm, to be strong and to firm and to be steadfast in our state of grace. 
Now, as we can see, again, God himself will help us to be strong and to stand firm. So, what is the summary of the book of 1 Peter? Who is it written to? It's written to Christians who have a temptation to slide back into sin and evil desires. The reason why they're tempted to slide back into sin and evil desires is the pull of the old life and the push of suffering and grief and trials from persecution in an ungodly world. The solution is to remember that we have a Christian privilege of what God has done for us in His grace and mercy. It is a gift of salvation. Because of our new identity as the spiritual house, God's people, a royal priesthood. And therefore, we need to live a Christian, oops, a Christian lifestyle. And so the purpose of 1 Peter really is to remind us of the true grace of God and to stand fast in it. So in conclusion, I read this, actually I've only read about the first 20 pages of this book, but I really got a quote from it, so it was really good. And this guy was um, talking about churches in America. Okay, this guy writes in the New York Times, he's, he's a pretty good writer. And he's a Christian actually, and he was actually saying that uh, in, in America, he feels that a lot of churches, uh, rather than just uh, be faithful to what the gospel is actually saying, is actually filled of, with... Uh, you know, teachings of self-fulfillment and self-love at the expense of the teaching of original sin. And he feels that for many churches in America, religion has become a, a license uh, for your own individual desires, egotism and selfishness, uh, and used to justify uh, what he calls deadly sins. So, you know, pride, vanity, adultery, greed, and gluttony have become part of the church in, in America. That's what he says. And I thought that was a very good reminder because at the end of the day, coming to church, uh, even for us in Singapore, does not make us Christians. You can come to church, but you may not be standing firm in grace. You could come to church every Sunday, but you are not living a sanctified and obedient life. You may come to church every Sunday, but truly, you are not born again and obedient children to God. And so the question I want to ask you today is, am I standing fast in the grace of God? Or have I slid back into the world of sin? Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, uh, we want to truly ask that you may help us uh, to grasp the importance of what you're saying, 1 Peter. That we too, like Ravi, we too, like the Christians in 1 Peter, have a temptation to slide back into the old world of sin. We have a temptation because of the pull of our old lives. We have a temptation because of the push of persecution. Help us to remember the privilege it is to be saved. The privilege it is to have an eternity in heaven. That is not what we have done, but is it because of what you have done. That it all happens because of your mercy and your grace. Dear Father, help us to see our new identity, that we no longer live in ignorance and in the empty way of life, but we now are before, all, before you, uh, truly 
your children, your family. We are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a spiritual temple, living stones. And as a result, our lifestyle will exhibit it. That we will live as aliens and strangers in this world. Help us to stand fast in grace, dear Father, and resist being devoured by Satan. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.